Have you ever wondered what is actually happening at baptism? Is baptism a symbol, a figure, a public declaration, or does baptism actually save you? If you've ever asked yourself these questions, you wouldn't have been the first. In fact, three well-known and very influential reformers had contrasting views on baptism. Zwingli, in the year 1525, in a tract titled On Baptism, wrote, Christ himself did not connect salvation with baptism. It is always by faith alone. And in this way, as we'll soon see, he was more of a Lutheran than Luther himself. Later, Zwingli also stated, Water baptism cannot contribute in any way to the washing away of sin. While John Calvin, in 1536, wrote in his book titled Institutes of Christian Religion, Hence those who have thought that baptism is nothing else than the badge and mark by which we profess our religion before men, in the same way as soldiers attest their profession by bearing the insignia of their commander, having not attended to what was the principal thing in baptism, and this is that we are to receive it in connection with the promise, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He quotes Mark 16.16. 16. And in his commentaries on the Gospel of John, he said, It is true that, by neglecting baptism, we are excluded from salvation. And in this sense, I acknowledge that it is necessary. While Martin Luther said, To be baptized into Christ with water, is really to be washed and cleansed with the blood of Christ. And in 1529, in the large catechism, he wrote, Therefore, state it most simply thus, that the power, work, profit, fruit, and end of baptism is this, namely, to save. If you know anything about Martin Luther and his faith alone position, that quote may come to you as a complete surprise. And before we go any further, you should know that all three of these men supported and defended infant baptism, which alone speaks to their deceived understanding and manipulation of the Scriptures. So back to the question at hand, does baptism save? What did Jesus teach us? Matthew recorded that Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, found in chapter 28, verse 19. In the Gospel according to John, chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In Mark 16.16, 16, it's recorded that Jesus plainly tells us, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let's pause here. We need to acknowledge also that there are prerequisites for baptism. Faith, as we just read in Mark 16.16, 16, is one of the prerequisites. We have to have faith in God, but we can't stop there. James warns us, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? 
Repentance is another prerequisite. Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But isn't repentance a work? That means you actually have to do something. I'll let Scripture speak to that. Remember John the Baptist, when multitudes came with a desire to be baptized of him, he rejected them and told them to bring forth fruits of repentance. So what is repentance? Just turning in your heart or changing your mind? It's not what John said. In Luke 3, we read what was said to these multitudes who wanted to be baptized but were rejected. John said, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Does repentance sound like work to you? There are those that say, If we declare baptism is salvific, We are adding to the gospel, let alone repentance. But I just read to you out of the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What gospel are they talking about? Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. In Acts chapter 2, we can read of an account where a mixed multitude was gathered and listening to Peter, boldly preaching to them of the Jesus that they crucified. And picking up at verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Peter say? Pray the sinner's prayer? Ask Jesus into your heart? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Later in the book of Acts, we read what Ananias told Paul regarding baptism. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins. So what is actually happening as we immerse our bodies under water? Colossians 2.12 Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we also should walk in newness of life. Into the baptismal waters we are buried into the death of Jesus Christ. Out of the baptismal waters we rise in newness of life. But if we have newness of life before baptism, Scripture would be completely contradicting itself and baptism would be entirely illogical. So what is actually washing away our sin? Why go through all the effort of getting wet? If baptism is merely symbolic, then why can't we just go in dry into the baptismal tub and pretend we got wet? 1 John 5.6 This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that gives the water the power to cleanse the soul from sin. So I'll ask one more time. Does baptism save? Let's take a look at a commonly misinterpreted scripture. 1 Peter 3.21 This is actually the scripture Zwinli was referring to when he said, Water baptism cannot contribute in any way to the washing away of sin. We read, The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Observe what is written so clearly. Baptism doth also now save us. It really doesn't get much clearer than that. But some may jump to the following statement and say, but look, he says it's not the putting away the filth of the flesh. As if Peter completely disregards the powerful statement he just made. He says it's the answer of a good conscience. And with this, they sew various other scriptures together to water down baptism. Let's simply look at the statement one more time. Peter says, it's the answer of a good conscience. So I ask you, what is the answer of a good conscience? It's clearly and plainly written, baptism. Baptism is the answer of a good conscience. And it's baptism that saves us. By saying, it's not the putting away the filth of the flesh, He's simply saying it's not like taking a bath. Furthermore, Peter is in no way saying if you have a good conscience before God, there's no need to get baptized. To substantiate that, let's take a look at Acts 10, 44-47. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? It would be unthinkable that these, on whom the Holy Ghost fell and magnified God, did not have a good conscience before God. How did Peter respond to this? Can any man forbid water 
that these should not be baptized. And the following verse reads, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Let's get back to 1 Peter 3.21. Some point to where Peter says, The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also not save us, and say, See, baptism is a figure. Peter said it right there when he said, The like figure. The like figure Peter is speaking of here isn't baptism. It's the flood in the days of Noah in the preceding verse, which reads, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, why did he say they were saved by water? Weren't they saved by the ark? Yet it was the water that destroyed sinful mankind and cleansed the old world, and brought the ark into a new world. The flood, not baptism, was the figure referenced here. The bearing of the old and sinful man, and the rising of the new, freed from sin. Now at this point you may ask, but what about the thief on the cross? Wasn't he saved without baptism? Luke records this for us in chapter 23. Verses 39 through 43. Without question, he was ushered into paradise the same day he was crucified. Jesus was very clear about that. While Jesus was on the earth, he had power to forgive sins. One example is found in Mark 2, where Jesus made, what the scribes believed, was a blasphemous statement by saying, Thy sins be forgiven thee, to one sick of the palsy. He responded by saying, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. However, the thief on the cross has nothing to do with Christian baptism. He was still under the old covenant. Remember what gives baptism its cleansing and saving power. As quoted earlier, we are baptized into his death, and we rise from baptism into newness of life as he was risen from the dead. Out of his side flowed blood and water. We read in John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 34, none of which had happened yet. The thief on the cross was saved under the old covenant. In Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 15 through 17, we read, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. It was his death, shed blood, and resurrection that gives baptism the power to cleanse from sin and save to eternal life. At the start of this message, I gave you quotes from three contradicting reformers who lived about 500 years ago. But if you want to see what others thought about baptism earlier in time, why go back only 500 years? Let's go back 1,500 years. Actually, let's go back even further than that and look at just a sampling of the writings from those who lived around 1,800 years ago. 
Justin Martyr, around year 100 to 165 A.D., wrote, We have believed and testify that that very baptism which he announced is alone able to purify those who have repented, and this is the water of life. Clement, who lived around year 150 to 200 A.D., wrote, Now God has ordered everyone who worships him to be sealed by baptism. But if you refuse and obey your own will rather than God's, you are doubtless contrary and hostile to his will. But you will perhaps say, What does the baptism of water contribute towards the worship of God? In the first place, because that which hath pleased God is fulfilled. In the second place, because when you are regenerated and born again of water and of God, the frailty of your former birth, which you have through men, is cut off. And so at length you shall be able to attain salvation. But otherwise, it is impossible. For thus hath the true prophet testified to us with an oath, Verily I say to you, that unless a man is born again of water, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Writing around year 200 A.D., Tertullian said, Without baptism, salvation is attainable by none. And living around year 200 to 258 A.D., Cyprian wrote, Moreover, Peter himself, showing and vindicating the unity, has commanded and warned us that we cannot be saved except by the one only baptism of one church. In the ark, says he, of Noah, few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, as also baptism shall in like manner save you.